Welcome NEC fans to our latest NEC Now podcast on the NEC Overtime Pod. Today I'm joined by Northeast Conference Commissioner Noreen Morris. We will be discussing Title IX, gender equity in the NEC, and the role of women in collegiate athletics. Commissioner, thank you for being here today. Morgan, I'm thrilled to be with you today. That is excellent. Um, for those who may be unfamiliar, Title IX is a landmark civil rights law passed in 1972 prohibiting discrimination based on gender for education programs and activities, including athletics, that receive federal aid. Prior to Title IX, the NCAA did not host championships in women's sports or provide athletic scholarships to women. Today, however, the NCAA is home to over 200,000 female student athletes and sponsors over 10,000 women's teams that are eligible to compete in NCAA championship sports. First, I would just like to discuss your own experiences with Title IX. You were a student athlete at Cornell graduating exactly 15 years after the signing of Title IX. What are the most significant changes and hopefully improvements that you have seen since your time as a student athlete? Uh, well, actually, I'll go back to before my time as a student athlete. Um, when I was about seven or eight, uh, I grew up with three brothers, uh, and I, I wanted to play soccer uh, along with my younger brother. We went to sign up for the soccer league, and um, they uh, called my dad the next day and said, uh, this is a boys league. Uh, she, she can't play. And there was no girls league. Um, and so since my dad had already written the check and they had taken it, he said, yeah, I've paid, so she's going to play. So uh, I was the only girl in the whole league for that year. Uh, and it took probably about three or four years before they actually started a league um, for girls. Um, I went to junior high. There was no team uh, for me to play on. And then when I got to high school, still no team. So I actually petitioned um, the Board of Ed and uh, went out and got signatures and spoke in front of the Board of Ed. And my sophomore year was the first year we actually had a girls soccer team um, in, in my high school. Um, and so that was, you know, leading up to college, uh, I was the first recruit for Cornell um, women's soccer. So the year prior, they had just started the team, but uh, with the uh, the, the women from the club team. Mm -hmm. So I was the first recruited class there. So I've seen a lot of firsts and um, to see where we are now um, in terms of the number of teams um, that, that women and girls can play on um, and the opportunities, I think Title IX for sure um, made those inroads and those uh, provided the opportunities for, for the young girls and women to compete. So I have seen going from not being able to play as a seven-year-old to going to, in Chicago in 1999, the women, the Olympic uh, year when the women's national team played in Chicago. So I went to Soldier Field, there were 70,000 people in the stands watching a women's soccer game. And I was surrounded by young girls who um, were just so excited to be there and to watch their role models play. I didn't have a role model. Um, as an as an athlete, so so really, I've seen it go from zero to where we are now, which is fantastic. Yeah, no, that's amazing. It's like trailblazing since step one. That's that's really yeah. incredible. Okay, well, in the NEC's gender equity statement, the conference stands by its commitment to providing fair and equitable opportunities for member institutions, student athletes, coaches, and staff. The NEC has demonstrated really great progress towards gender equity, both within the conference office and throughout member institutions. For example, across Division I, only about 42% of conference staffs are female. Within the NEC staff, however, this number rises to 50%. Additionally, the NEC is one of only five Division I conferences with at least two female athletic directors and a female commissioner. 
How have you personally approached gender equity at the conference level and why do you think the NEC has been so successful, relatively speaking? You know, the role that I've played, you know, as a female commissioner um, and also the role that I play currently as the co-chair of the NCAA Gender Equity Task Force, um, I've been privy to so much data and so much anecdotal information about um, the lack of women in leadership positions. Uh, and so I've been very intentional about trying to place women in positions in our league. Um, as well as help our institutions when they're looking to uh, hire uh, athletic directors or coaches is to, you know, hey, what do you need? I'm, I'm here to help. Let me get you in touch with some people who might be able to give you some names of women who will be good candidates for those jobs. Um, and so personally, um, I have tried to be an advocate um, for women to get into the sports industry. And you know, if, if anyone calls me and says, listen, I'm interested in getting to sports, male or female, I, I will talk to you, but, but I'm really um, excited to talk with the, the women who wanna get into, the, into this industry. In terms of the NEC, as you mentioned, we have uh, a great deal of diversity um, in, well, within our league office, but at one point in time, we had uh, four female athletic directors. Um, and right now, I'm sure you'll talk about this later, is that uh, all 10 of our women's basketball coaches are women. So I think that is a huge accomplishment. Um, you know, Title IX, as we talked about earlier, provided so many participation opportunities to compete, but it actually did in the exact opposite in terms of leadership positions. So when the NCAA um, took on championships for women's sports, the women used to hold probably 90% of the leadership positions in administration and in coaching. And now um, coaching, it's, it's less than 50% of women coach women's sports. So that's the place that we really need to put our emphasis, um, that in leadership positions and administration. So um, we've, we've been very diligent and very intentional about trying to, um, from a conference-wide perspective, implement some initiatives that will help us build the pipeline for future female head coaches and future female administrators. Yeah, that's really fantastic. And you mentioned your work on the NCAA Gender Equity Task Force. I did want to ask about that and just how your work at the conference level has aided in your um, kind of perspective and your additional work at the national level. Yeah, so I think um, this uh, NCAA committee is a division-wide committee, so there's members from divisions one, two, and three, so it's really interesting to learn. Uh, we're actually learning from what division two and three do mm -hmm. uh, to try to implement some things at the division one level. So, for instance, um, division two and three uh, both had a gender equity study as part of their self-study that they have to do once every five years, and um, with the elimination of what used to be the athletic certification probably seven, eight, nine years ago, um, Division One did not have a gender equity review component as a requirement um, for Division One institutions. And so what we learned from Division Two and Three, we're able to then implement in Division One and really proud to say that based on the work of the Gender Equity Task Force, not only do we have um, now a bylaw that mandates institutions do a gender equity, diversity, and inclusion review once every five years. We most recently, in our last, uh, in April, 
think it was April, I've lost track of which month we are nowadays, um, that we, um, we also adopted the same thing for conference offices. So that is, that's a first, that conference offices will now also have to do um, a gender equity, diversity, and inclusion review once every five years and to be held to the same standard that it, we're holding our institutions to. And so that in large part was based on, on my role as a commissioner um, and my role on the gender equity task force, as well as my role on the NCAA council and the strategic vision and planning committee, which is the committee that the gender equity task force reports through. So in, in some cases, so it, it all kind of came full circle with the different roles that I play that I was able to really um, see that particular initiative from beginning to end. Yeah, that's great. Um, so another thing you had just mentioned, we're going to look specifically at women's basketball, where the NEC is the only Division I conference where every women's basketball team has a female head coach. And additionally, on these coaching staff, 72% of assistant coaches are female. While women's basketball tends to boast the highest amount of female assistants among all Division I sports, the NEC is still above average. Um, how do you think the conference has been able to accomplish such progress within its member schools? Yeah, and I would say that that's just kudos to our institutions for, for making those coaching hires. Um, not only do we have 10 female uh, head coaches, but we also have uh, two females of color uh, yeah. within, within the ranks. And so that's just a huge, um, huge accomplishment. And it really is a tribute to our institutions and their commitment to, to, to expanding their pools and doing the work to, to look for and hire females when, when they're qualified, right? So they went out and find, they find the qualified candidates to, to get into the pool. And so I, I do think, you know, while the NEC has been working diligently and our, you know, we have a strategic plan and one of, one of four goals is a commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So as a conference, we've committed to it, but it only works if our institutions also commit to it. And, and to bring it to fruition. And they've done that with the women's basketball coaches and to be the only conference in division one to have all 10 or all of our, we have 10, but all of our institutions with a female head coach is just amazing. And I didn't know the 72% um, assistant coaches are also women, which is huge because when you think about it, um, the next pipeline of head coaches are assistant coaches. And so we are modeling um, and being able to, you know, build that pipeline. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, and within that 72%, we actually have two staffs that are just fully female, which is super great. And I'm going to be really excited for those future conversations. Absolutely. Um, so earlier in our conversation, you mentioned not having a mentor, like a athletic mentor growing up and someone to look up to. Um, so I was doing some reading, and in a piece published by Women Leaders in College Sports, you discussed the role Title IX has played in your life, and especially um, the opportunity to be mentored by other women later in your career. Um, you specifically mentioned former Hartford University AD Pat Miser, who you interned for in 1991, saying, quote, she exposed me to every facet of her job and showed me how incredibly helpful it is to have a female mentor in the world of college athletics. Can you just expand a little more upon this statement now that you have been a mentor for so many young women and have helped establish so many potential mentors around the conference in the form of coaches and administrators? How helpful is it to have a female mentor in this space? Yeah, I think it's, it's really um, essential to, 
to see that there are women in leadership positions that you can aspire to. The old uh, mantra is if, if you can see her, you can be her, right? So if, if you don't see anyone in those leadership positions and you don't have someone mentoring you, um, it's really hard to even envision uh, that you can be in that role. So for me, especially with, with uh, Pat Miser, um, you know, I started as an intern at UConn and, and she just accepted me in and said, okay, you're going to just basically shadow me for the year. So I went to all the meetings that she went to. She, you know, explained what we're doing going in. When we left the meeting, she explained, you know, this is what happened. And, um, you know, so that I could really understand the ins and outs um, of college athletics from from a campus perspective. Um, and if not for her, you know, I probably wouldn't be still in this in this industry. Um, another person I'd be remiss to not mentioning is um, Brenda Weir. So Brenda Weir hired me at Conference USA. She was the associate commissioner there and she took a, a chance on me to, to hire me to be their um, then director of, of governance, I think was my title. Um, but Brenda was a huge mentor for me and taught me so much. She was the previous commissioner uh, here at the Northeast Conference and unfortunately lost her battle to cancer. Um, but I was able to really learn so much from her and to be able to, to follow her in this job was such an honor for me. Um, and to be able to kind of continue the legacy that she built and she had a short three years here, but she made a huge impact on the league. And so to be able to, to have had, um, such direct, um, influence by Pat and by Patty, um, Patty Babcock was also at, at, at UConn. Um, and then Brenda Weir, I mean, strong women, smart, driven, but also open to mentoring. And so I've taken it upon myself to do the same and try to do as much as I can to mentor people um, up through the ranks. And you know, I, I, I have a few success stories in my mentor. Um, so Amy Bolin was a, a student at UConn when I was there and she played soccer and she was one of the first student athletes that I met when I started. She uh, is now, she's got some highfalutin title at Texas, um, but executive director of their development office, but went up through the compliance ranks. And Cindy Hartman, uh, she was with me at UConn as well. She was at Duke and, uh, and many other places. So, they, you know, just, it's really fun to see that as you mentor, not only are you mentoring, but you're becoming friends yes. with them. And so they may go on and surpass you <laughs> in title um, and, and impact, but it, uh, it's just great to, to see that what would you put in you get out yeah that's really great and that brings us to our final question just by right way of wrap up do you have any final just words of encouragement or advice for young women looking to pursue these careers in collegiate athletics yeah, I would say uh, it's it's a fantastic uh, industry to work in um, it's a passion uh, it's a it's not a job it's a lifestyle um, and you have to be passionate about what you do. But if you want to work in college, college athletics, and you can make it happen, but you've got to do the work, right? You, you're just not going to show up and it's going to land in your lap. You've got to you know, do some work as an undergraduate, get some experience somehow, um, network, um, and then just be willing to you know, just take off the gloves and get to work and do whatever's asked and more. Um, you know, that's where you're going to learn. Um, you can do the job that you're given to, which you, you know, you have to do that job, but 
then seek other ways to assist other people around you. And then that's how you expand your the skills and just always be looking to broaden your horizon, so to speak. So in, in, in when I look at my job and the jobs I've taken, many times I've left one job, not because I didn't like that job, but I felt like I had more to learn in different areas. So you have to get out of your comfort zone and, and, and move on to another job to, to, to expand your knowledge base. So I would say the same to the young, young people is just try to expand your knowledge base as much as possible and however forum you can do that in. So I would say just go for it. It's a great industry and um, you know, people are willing to help. You just have to ask. Yeah, great. Well, Commissioner, thank you so much for being here. This was a really great conversation and I'm super excited to see what other conversations we have down the road. Um, that was Northeast Conference Commissioner Noreen Morris and this has been NEC Now.